Welcome to the St. Joseph Radio Presents live program broadcasting to you from the Rome of the West, St. Louis, Missouri. The program that for over 30 years has brought you eloquent speakers from across the globe to help explain, clarify, and evangelize the Catholic faith. Our program covers a variety of topics relating to current issues and occurrences in our daily lives. Now, with the aid of technology, we are able to bring the gospel message to the four corners of the world, where Christ himself did say, those who have ears ought to hear. It is our hope at St. Joseph Radio that through these programs, we can help evangelize the world and change one soul at a time. Now, here is your host to introduce today's guest and topic. Oh, and welcome to St. Joseph Radio Presents. Uh, I'm your host today, or co-host, Ray Gerard. With me in studio, Deacon Tom Burke. Deacon, welcome, welcome. Great to see you, Ray. It yes. really is a pleasure. And we haven't done this together before, so this will be a pleasure. I'm excited. Yes. Just like that first game of the season. Huh? There you go. There yeah. you go. Um, so today we're going to talk about Mary, Queen of Hearts. I'm going to give her that title. I, don't know, I, think, that would, I think that's an appropriate title. I love Queen of Hearts. Queen of Hearts. Anyways, before we get started in, in talking about our Blessed Mother, we're going to start the program uh, with a prayer. And Deacon, would you be so good as to lead us? Oh, I'd be happy to. Um, in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Heavenly Father, good and gracious God, we praise you for what you've done for us in our lives and how close you brought us to Jesus. We thank you for the gift of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, and for his mother who leads us, who guides us in her gentle hand to the Son. We pray that your, the Holy Spirit come down upon us, be between us and with us to guide us and inspire us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. And the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. So this past week we celebrated the Feast of the Assumption. Yes. And uh, you know, I was rummaging through certain reading material, and uh, I came across an item. And uh, this was written by a guy named Graham Greene. He was part of what was called the Catholic Literary Revival. It's from like 1860 to 1960. G.K. Chesterton was part of it. Well, he was, he was also part of it. And he wrote about the assumption this. He said, the resurrection of Christ can be regarded as the resurrection of a God, capital G. But the resurrection of Mary forecasts the resurrection of each of us. And that's just a beautiful, beautiful thing. I mean, she is the only human assumed into heaven, correct? Well, maybe not. We, uh, we do have uh, Elijah and Enoch in the Old Testament. But uh, she is, as far as we know, the only woman assumed. As far as we know, uh, uh, she uh, uh, was the only person who was assumed after Jesus went to heaven. So you're correct in that. Okay. So um, so she forecasts our assumption into our, our, hopefully, you know, our pathway to heaven as well. And that's, that's really her mission, isn't it? Isn't it not? I mean, to help lead the way. I mean, we can get confused because, well, let's see, if Mary, you know, forecasts, you know, our entry into heaven, well, but I thought, you know, Christ opened the gates of heaven. Aren't we confusing the two? Which is, and we'll probably get into that more as, as the program goes on about the criticisms that are leveled against about, against Catholics for um, perhaps what others see as too much devotion to Mary. But well, I'm curious, right? When you brought up that that uh, 
great quote about about Jesus was a God who went to heaven. He was God-man, of course, and he opened the gates of heaven for us. And then Mary followed fairly shortly thereafter. Of course, there was martyrs in between, I'm sure. So what does, what does that mean for you personally to know that, that Mary was assumed? See, this is where I think I was kind of confused because I thought I was supposed to be the host. And I would get to ask the questions. Well, you but, have not. You have not uh, been. You've not listened to any of the times I've been on the radio so far, which guess, is good. Which I is guess, good. Or you might not have agreed to come on with me so, because it's because <laughs> because Mary's always trying to bring us closer to Jesus. We were talking off the air, and it was it was profound when you said that to me that she was she was a way for you to get closer to Jesus. So I was curious. I couldn't help myself but ask you what you thought about the assumption. I mean, it's. I mean, I think it's so simple. It's, you know, she's on, she's going to heaven, and, you know, and we can follow her in that on that path, and I think that is really, you know, everything that Mary means to me. Um, she is somebody to follow. Whether you follow, hopefully, follow her to heaven, whether you follow her example as to how she lived her life, whether you follow her in her love for her son. She can lead, and you know, if you do those things, she leads you to her son. She is a way, you know, when I get deep in prayer and I involve Mary in the prayer, but let me put it this way. There are two times I feel really deep in prayer. One is in, there are times in adoration when I open myself up enough. Now you're talking about praying before the Blessed Sacrament. Praying before the Blessed Sacrament. I can re- I can get you know uh, really if I open myself up I can get I can get very deep in prayer where it takes on a, a different level um, and the other times are when I open myself up to Mary and I pray to her and uh, I guess that's because well she's always listening isn't she. Yeah, of course, we, we talk about praying to Mary, and what we're really talking about is praying with Mary and praying through Mary to Jesus, because she takes every one of our prayers, because she was the Immaculate Conception, we'll talk about that in a couple of minutes, she takes each one of our prayers, and she takes them to Jesus. And isn't that true? I mean, if you're going to the king, you might be able to be brought before the audience of the king, but before any of that happened, you send an emissary. You send someone who is close to the king, someone who will whisper into the king's ear and say, listen, Ray has something to tell you. And the king says, sure, come, Ray, because my mother has said, you have something to tell me, and she's never wrong. But then you talked about something that I th- I'm very intrigued by, and that was you said, well, she also is not only shows us to heaven through the assumption, but she shows us the pathway that she took. And I tell you what, how could you pick a better pathway? How could you pick a better pathway? Well, you know, when we were talking before uh, this program began, we were talking off air, you had an idea of trying to understand who Mary is by looking at the titles that the church has given her. Um, And, of course, one of the titles is, if you go, for example, to the Litany of Loreto, one of the titles is Morning Star. And I was kind of curious about that. I kind of thought that, well, maybe it had to do with you know, sailors on the, you know, on the open sea praying to her at that point. Uh, but what I found out was that in the writings and the history tradition of the church, that she was regarded, and, and, and people were thinking of her and praying to her, they regarded her as similar to the son 
you know, rising or, or star, you know, in the early morning, where as where you you're looking at this light, and it's and and it's the time of day when you're going to rise up. And they associated it with this this phrase "morning star" is one that they associated with ten certain virtues that were accorded to Mary, and that you're talking about a pathway, the pathway to heaven. You practice these virtues. You follow her example. That's what the church. But you know, it's always so amazing to me. Whenever the church has something that we might regard as just matter of fact, or you know, just something superficial, <laughs> there's always so much to plumb, uh, you know, the depths of with regard to it. And this is another one where people thought very deeply about it, and so it's associated with these these ten virtues, and that we need to follow those by following her example. Well, that's, that's great to have the virtues, and the church has come up with a couple different ideas about her, right? Uh, and, and when we get a dogma of the church about Mary, it's good to understand that it's not like, how should I say this? It's not like all of a sudden they get together and they say, what are we going to do today? I tell you what, after coffee, let's come up with a dogma. You know, the church doesn't do that. It's not like a bunch of, bunch of uh, guys in... in, in uh, in a, a special garb, sit around and they say, well, we're so smart, we're going to come up with this. Now, what happens with regards to most of the dogmas we have, certainly the ones around Mary, were things that the church believed from the beginning. And then when, when, when in our culture, whatever time or period it was, uh, could be as recently as the 1850s, uh, with the Immaculate Conception, when, when, when people started saying, well, you know, Mary's probably not that special. She probably wasn't Immaculate Conceived by, the, by God. She, she, uh, Joachim and Anne probably did, uh, did have relations, and they birthed this girl, and she must have been a special girl, of course, but she probably wasn't Immaculate Conceived. And yet the whole church had believed it for all those years, 1,800 years, uh, that that was true. So the, the Pope uh, it, it comes out and says, well, no, we have a dogma. And that's what we were talking about when you started the program, a dogma of the assumption of Mary. A dogma is not just kind of a thought. It's, it's something that is intrinsic in our faith. It is something that is so part of what we believe that it's a, it's a pillar. And a pillar is meant to hold us up. So, so that dogma of Mary being assumed into heaven is something that we all believe as, as, as Christians. And, of course, we get that from the church. And the church also came out and, you know, we can go through all the different names and the dates and we, we would run out of time. But in 431 in the Council of Ephesus, was mm-hmm. the, the, the church came out and said, Mary is the mother of God, Theotokos. Right. And that was to resolve people at that time who got their own ideas and thought, well, maybe that wasn't true. Maybe Jesus was just brought here and Mary was allowed to be with her and all kinds of heresies, that, and heresy just means untruth, uh, all kinds of things that people came up with that were untrue. So the church came up with that. I'm also struck by, by what Mary called herself. You know, Mary uh, appeared to, to uh, St. Uh, Bernadette and she called herself the Immaculate Conception, before the church ever came out with that. Uh, and actually, that's one of the proofs that she actually did appear to St. Bernadette, that that country girl would never have known something like that. 
And yet, uh, we'll talk about this maybe a little later in regards to what Mary does in the world and does for us. But when she appeared to uh, Juan Diego, uh, and, and we, we talk about Our Lady of Guadalupe. We pronounce it Guadalupe because that's the best way we can come up with that long name, name if you're welcome to look it up, uh, how we pronounce the name that comes out a little bit like Guadalupe, and we pronounce it Guadalupe. But what it means, translates, is the one who crushes the serpent. <laughs> the one who crushes the serpent. And we know about that, right? We know about that from Genesis. We know about that from Revelation with regards to Mary's special relationship to Jesus and her special mission to crush the head of the serpent. And, uh, and, and so many other things, not just the church have said, but people have said throughout the world about her different names. I spent uh, uh, a few minutes on this uh, this week, and I've got two pages on a legal page, uh, page of the different names of Mary, and I didn't even come close right. to the names of right. Mary. Why, why do you think we have so many names? Because she's affected so many different people in so many different ways over so many different periods of at so many different periods of time. I mean, people want to when you get close to to Mary, or she, you know, bestows maybe some kind of a special grace on you, or you pray to her. I had a friend this week. I was I was at a meeting at, at our parish, at a just a just a normal kind of ministry meeting, and I knew we were going to be doing this program, and so I said to people, I said, "Does anybody have any Mary stories?" And so this one guy said to me, well, yeah, at one point there was this, uh, he had an aunt, and uh, she was challenged. I mean, she, was, she suffered from a disability, and so she had never worked in her life, couldn't take care of herself. She had lived with this man's mother for like 45 years. Well, his mother passes away, and now the family has this aunt, and uh, nobody in the family, you know, had a, uh, a housing situation that would comfortably, comfortably allow you know, for this aunt to be taken care of. So they needed a place. And they went to um, a Catholic uh, nursing home, and they said, no, 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 there's, there's no chance. Uh, this is a Medicaid patient, and we've only got a certain limited number of Medicaid beds. There's just no way this isn't going to happen. And um, they told, uh, they, they said, please, please, you know, there's, there's one point in this woman's life when she felt really at peace. Most of the time she had all this anxiety and so forth. There was one time in her life when she felt really at peace, and that was when she was with some nuns. And, uh, and at this particular nursing home, there were nuns that were in service there and such. And um, so, you know, they made this plea to the nursing home administrator, and the answer was a flat no. Well, they prayed to Mary about it. And the, plea to, the plea to get her into, into the, the nursing, nursing home. home. Okay. Right, yeah. And they play, prayed to Mary about it, and a week later, they got a phone call. Well... The nuns want to meet her, <laughs> you know, and sure enough, she got in. And now that doesn't sound like a big story, but my friend, there was, you know, his impression was that it really was the intercession of Mary. That's in his mind and in his heart. That's what he knew, you know, knew in his heart that that's what had happened, that Mary had taken a hand. Yes. You're, you're talking about uh, uh, talking to Mary which is lifting your heart up to God is prayer. So we pray with Mary. We don't pray 
to her. We don't worship her. That's the disconnect that we have sometimes with our Protestant brothers and sisters because they believe all prayer is worship. So then when we say we pray to Mary, they think we're worshiping Mary. But it's not true, right? We we pray with Mary. When, I, when I'm when i praying the rosary, and I'll, I'll talk to you in a few minutes about how profound and, uh, that that. Can you hold that thought? Yeah, sure. Okay, why don't you hold that thought? And I need to uh, jump in and just simply say that this is uh, St. Joseph Radio Presents, coming to you live from St. Louis, Missouri, which is the Rome of the West. And we're talking about all things Mary. We're talking about Mary, the Queen of Hearts. Is she the Queen of your heart? Now, Deacon, if you would, please continue. Well, you know— the different names we have for Mary, they have to do with, like you said, we have these names because of all the different ways she interacts with us, right? So, so your friend might say, well, I think uh, Mary is, is the mystical rose because it was a mystery how my, how, how my family member could get into this nursing home. And it was so beautiful that she did. Now, it's interesting you bring up that particular title because I lo- happen to look up that one as well. And the mystical part of it, so the rose, the most beautiful, regarded as the most beautiful flower. So let's, let's accord that, that name to Mary, right? But why mystical? Why would you say she's a mystical rose? Well, that refers directly to the assumption. At least, you know, so. Um, and, of course, that's why we started, you know, where we started with this program. So I'm sorry, I just had to interrupt you there. I just found it's just a little, little coincidence. Well, interesting enough, right, that Mary does... It's kind of interesting the way you talked about her early on. You said, you know, she's, she, she was assumed into heaven, and that's a, that's a mystery, and, and yet uh, her life was a mystery. We only see her spoken about in the Gospels in a few places, but they're, but they're rather poignant and dramatic places. And if we look at our own lives with regards to our own mothers, right, uh, uh, maybe they, maybe they, they took uh, the lead. Uh, but they were always there behind us, encouraging us most of the time to step out, to go, and 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 give us the right direction to go. Uh, and loving us no matter what. Right. Abs- absolutely. No matter what. Absolutely. Just so, love. so uh, for me, uh, if you don't mind me saying, I I have uh, my own my own uh, idea, my own name for Mary. Of course, I call her my blessed mother, and that has to do with how Gabriel uh, related to her, right? The mother of God, but blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb, Jesus. Uh, and I often feel myself kind of like Elizabeth too. How is it that the mother of my Lord should come to me? Isn't that what she ex- exclaimed upon Mary coming in, her cousin? But for me, uh, Our Lady of the Rosary is a very important one, and I'll tell you why. Uh, I was... uh uh, I was raised Catholic. I, uh, my folks prayed the rosary in the car when we were going on trips, and we prayed before meals, went to, went to Sunday Mass. And like so many people, I decided I'd go my own way, and the church could do, go its own way. And we did not meet very often, even very often on Sunday. So when I came back to the church, and this is, I wish, I'd like to say that at 66, it was like 60 years ago, but it was more like 30 years ago. So when I came, in fact, nah, it was more like, 20 years ago. Okay. So, so when I came back to the church, I said, well, I need to, uh, I need to make up. I just, it's my crazy analytical mind. I need to make up for all those masses I missed. So I, I, I really felt bad because I'd missed all those masses for all those years, all those Sunday masses. So, uh, of course, I'm going to preface this by saying I knew at the time, and we all know that we don't make up for our sins. 
Now, obviously, if we do a sin in this world and we can make reparation, we should definitely make reparation. But there is no way that I could do a special fast or do something extra to make up for the hurt of God's heart by me missing all those masses. But since I was more into myself than I was into Jesus at the time, I said, you know, it takes about 20 minutes to do a rosary. Only 20 minutes. Well, mass is about an hour long. Well, if I do three rosaries, maybe I can make up for a mass. Now, it sounds silly, doesn't it? And I, and I see you laughing here, and, 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 uh, and, and you should be. Uh, and everybody out there should be going, that is one wacky deacon. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I was a wacky deacon, so I, I did the math. I actually did the math. If I said a rosary every day, then by a certain date, and I will tell you it was the fall of 2013, by a certain date, I would have made up for all those 20 minutes at a time, all those masses I missed. Now, that was a silly thing, but it caused me to get a hold of my sister, whose name is Mary, uh, and I said, you know, I, 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 I think I can find a rosary. I'm kind of doing it on my, on my fingers, but, uh, and she's, oh, Tom, I've got a CD on, on the rosary. I think you'll love it. So I put the CD into the car. Back then, they had those in cars, and so I, uh, I listened to how to play, pray the rosary, and, and uh, uh, the Sorrowful Mysteries was the first one. So I started every day. Well, when would I do it? On the way to work. Well, now I have to turn off, like, whatever the show was I was listening to every day to work because I, I was going to do this. And, and, it, and if I really was energetic, I'd do it on the way home, too, because it takes about 20 minutes to get to work. And, and so I thought, well, that, that'd be cool. Maybe I'll get done before the fall of 2013. So not to belabor the point, uh, it was a silly idea. But the Lord decided— there was no way that goofy Tom was going to get back to the church unless he did it his own way. So we have all these beautiful titles for Mary. And for you, we've got goofy Tom. Well, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah. Uh, I don't have a name tag, but if, but if you make one up, I might have, that, I'll, I'll wear it on the air. Yeah, okay. I, prom I promise. And, and you are not the first person who said that, nor am I. Uh, so, so it worked. So I started praying the rosary. Well, that was the rope that saved my life. That was a rope that got me closer to Jesus. The rosary is not about getting closer to Mary as much as it's about getting closer to Jesus. Right. We pray those mysteries in the rosary. So, so for me, the Blessed Mother is my mother of the rosary because she caused me to, to, to do that, to, to get closer. Somehow I thought that uh, now I could, uh, uh, even though I, I'd gone to confession and confessed all those, all those masses I'd missed, uh, I felt like I was making some personal reparation that I felt I needed to do. God didn't put that on my heart. That was a that was the goofy deacon idea. So uh, so, but it didn't make any difference to Jesus how Mary brought me back. It was that rope. So so I, I'm just sharing with you that early on, uh, and of course I'm I'm a deacon now, and there's a couple more stories that might come. But but uh, that's how that particular devotion, ever since way back in St. Dominic, ever since people were in the fields doing it on their hands or counting it off before the rosary was actually came about and, and somewhat defined by the church, uh, it was done by people in the fields beforehand, and I just happened to be in the field, although I was in my car. <laughs> um, you mentioned uh, St. Dominic and the rosary. Just a funny little coincidence that 
I learned this week, and perhaps other people don't know it as well, I had known St. Dominic was credited with starting the rosary. And, uh, and it was, you know, early 1200s. It was France. Um, I also knew of St. Louis de Montfort in France, who had started this devotion to Mary, which, for example, affected people like St. John Paul II in such a, you know, huge way. What I didn't know was that they're connected. So the rosary, apparently, as far as they can trace it back, it was really first said or involved one of the early times that it was, was, was said in any kind of real organized fashion was before this battle at a place called Marais, where these Catholic, the Catholic troops were hugely outnumbered, like by 40,800, some crazy number. But anyways, the Catholic forces were read by the, led by this guy called Count de Montfort. Count de Montfort. Not Louis de Montfort. He's a long time before Louis. But it was at this, right. But Louis de Montfort, then centuries later, starts the true devotion to Mary. So it's like there's this devotion or presence or grace from Mary in this one particular location. I mean, it's just, it's just a funny, you know, it's, it's a coincidence, but it's, it speaks to the reality of Mary. You just don't have a coincidence like that out of nothing. Uh, but anyways, so you're talking about the rosary and what it means to you. To me, um, what it means, the, the phrase that comes to mind is a phrase about, that I heard uh, where people say, the praying the rosary can stop wars. Now, when I first heard that, I was thinking, well, okay, you pray for world peace, you pray, you know, end the conflict in such and such a country, et cetera, et cetera. But like you, you know, after praying the rosary, um, after a certain period of time, things appear different. And what I came to understand is that the wars that, you know, that particular maxim talks about are the wars inside your heart. It can stop the wars inside your heart. If you're thinking about surrendering some small piece of your life to God, if you're thinking about surrendering your entire life to God and you're wrestling, or if you're thinking about, you know, you're, you know, uh, you're struggling with sin, good, evil, you know, the, the, the same you know, struggle that you know, St. Paul talks about going on in, inside uh, you know, his own heart. Those are the wars that you can con conquer. And when you think about it, those, of course, are the, the biggest wars. If you can settle the war inside your own heart and you can be at peace with things, then all of a sudden you can start to have a peaceful effect on all kinds of other people around you. So that's what, you know, the rosary kind of means to me. It's, it's a place where you can, uh, it's a time when you can feel close to God, you can, and feel at peace. That, that is so great that you said that, Ray, because, because I, I think I had a little Holy Spirit moment as you were talking about that. And I say that because, because it reminds me of something that we'll say when we get, get off this break that's coming up. Yes, we are having a, a break that's going to be uh, coming up very soon. We are here talking with uh, Deacon Tom Burke. Deacon, thank you for being here. We're talking about Mary, the Queen of Hearts, and asking the question, is she the Queen of your heart? This past week, we had the Feast of the Assumption, and it's just another reminder of Mary and her presence in our lives, and it's an opportunity for us to always turn to her, because when we do turn to her, she leads us to her son. She always, always leads us to her son.
Joseph Radio with a great gift idea, a St. Benedict bracelet, a trendy accessory for men, women, and children that not only looks good on everyone's wrist, but is actually armor for the spiritual battlefield. This unique bracelet is handmade in Europe and contains 10 medals within the braided cord in the adult size and 7 medals in the children's size. On the front of each beautiful medal is St. Benedict holding a cross in his right hand, the object of his devotion. On the back of each medal is a cross. Surrounding the back of the medal and cross are the letters VRSN. M-V-S-M-Q-L-I-V-B in Latin reference which translates Be gone, Satan. Never tempt me with your vanities. What you offer me is evil. Drink the poison yourself. And finally located at the top is the word Pax which means peace. All bracelets come packaged with an informational card and the St. Benedict blessing which your local priest can administer. This gift is for everyone you love and care about, including yourself. Available from St. Joseph Radio. Check the website at www.saintjosephradio.net St. Joseph Catholic Radio is proud to announce the launch of SJEN-TV, the St. Joseph Evangelization Network. SJEN-TV is a premier online Catholic broadcasting network providing quality Catholic programming 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. We have programming such as live studio interviews, St. Joe's Java speaker presentations, current Catholic issues, and the Pro-Life series. We're featuring the many talented speakers out of Orange County, California, and this Archdiocese of St. Louis, Missouri including Professor John Gresham, Father James Mason, Karen Nokemper, Rick Hollerick, Bill Federer, and many more. To review the program list, go to sjen.tv or on Roku, sjen.tv. All this programming is free, and we are welcoming sponsorship of new programs. Find out more at sjen.tv. So we are back. St. Joseph Radio presents uh, from uh, St. Louis, Missouri, talking about Mary, the Queen of Hearts, and asking the question, you know, can Mary um, play a role in your life? Can she touch your heart? Should we pray to Mary? Should we have more devotions to Mary? There's a book that was written by a guy named Don Sharkey. It's called The Woman Shall Conquer. And he goes over all of these apparitions uh, of Mary, which we're not going to be able to get into in, in this program. But what was interesting to me is at the very beginning of this book, this was the copy that I've got was sort of a, a later, uh, sort of a second edition. And he talks about the difference between the United States at the time that he first wrote the book and the time of the second edition. He said, The Woman Shall Conquer was written at a time when interest in Mary among Catholics was great. This was 1950. He said, Books about Mary poured from the presses. Many magazines were devoted entirely to Mary. Clubs, societies, and legions dedicated themselves to Mary. Legion of, legion of Mary is, is, is one in particular, which, by the way, has like 10 million people around the world. But the, but the countries that have the biggest, uh, the highest numbers of people involved, not the United States. Um, but anyways, small countries, but that's, that's another story. Anyways, he says, clubs, societies, and legions directed themselves to Mary. I was convinced that this trend would not only continue, but would increase in momentum. I was convinced that we were on the verge of a great age of Mary. Then he says, however, this was written about 1980, he says, events have not worked out as I had anticipated. Almost overnight, it seemed, their great interest in Mary stopped. People stopped buying books about Mary, stopped buying rosaries, stopped going to novenas, et cetera, et cetera. Almost overnight. And uh, so he says this with a, a certain sadness because this is a man, I think, who understands what it means to be able to pray to her and how much can be received 
from praying to her, how much she, you know, will uh, importune her son, you know, to do something, you know, for us, to allow some grace in our lives. I mean, she is so powerful, and she so much wants us to turn to her. And so when that level of devotion falls off, it is, in fact, a sad thing. But there's always a good a good uh, part to the story, which is we can change that anytime we want. And you can change it anytime you want. All you got to do is, I don't know, if you're not saying the rosary, start saying the rosary. Anyways. Well, I'm so glad you talked about uh, the rosary and changing hearts because obviously the rosary is something I didn't stop in the fall of 2013. Uh, it, 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 is, it is absolutely an integral part of my life. It's an integral part of my life to be able to, to uh, speak to Jesus through Mary, to be able to speak to Jesus with Mary. That's what I do when I pray the rosary and I go through the, the different mysteries. But one thing you said when you're talking about the heart of Jesus that I really want to emphasize here, and, and people may not, not really appreciate that if they don't have uh, Mary as part of their life. And here's this. Jesus's heart is huge. It's, it, the, the sacred heart of Jesus is tremendous. His mercy is, is tremendous, okay? So, so the reason why I say that is we don't appreciate it enough. We don't appreciate how great his heart is. And his heart has a Marian aspect too. Who, who cuddled Jesus first? Who birthed him? Who babied him? Who, who burped him? Who picked him up when he fell? Who whispered into his ear when he was a young child? Who said, uh, other than just sweet nothings, who said, this is who God the Father is to you. And he started understanding who God was to him. And he thought that was so important that even after they found him in the temple uh, at his about bar mitzvah age, after they found him in the temple, it says he went home and was obedient to, to Joseph and Mary. And the reason why I, I bring that up is because, is because he wants us to understand his heart by understanding Mary's heart. Once we start understanding her heart, the heart of submission to God's will in her fiat, understanding her heart and that it reaches out to people who don't have enough wine at the wedding at Cana, understand her heart that's at the foot of the cross with Jesus as she's, been, as she's given by her beloved son to John and how she was able to change John's heart so we start understanding that Jesus didn't want us to understand just the aspect of him as the Messiah, as great as that is, the aspect of him as, as a Savior, as great as that is, the aspect of him as the Holy Eucharist, as great as that is, he wanted to say, you will know me more if you know my mother. And so you had talked about affecting wars. And so I was going to talk for a couple of minutes about one of the more famous ones, which is Lepanto. But I think there's something on the tip of your tongue. <laughs> how, could you, how could you notice? Um, yeah, exactly. As you were talking, I couldn't help but uh, be reminded of something that uh, John Paul II said. And it was curious to me when I first read it. Uh, he, uh, he was talking about his um, turning towards uh, this... Uh, uh, St. Louis de Montfort's, you know, true devotion to Mary, the, you know, famous totus tuus uh, devotion. That what does totus tuus mean? Totally yours. Okay. Thank you. You knew that. So anyways, <laughs> um, but uh, 
he said, you know, that he would he would pray to Mary, and he had always thought that, you know, praying to Mary was was to have uh, you know have her lead him to Christ. He said, but what he didn't understand, and what he came to realize, was that Christ, when he started turning towards Christ, he found that Christ wanted to lead him to Mary. And when I first read that, I didn't quite understand it. And I think I did, but you explained it, and then later on I thought I did. But you explained that very well. That's exactly right. If you understand her heart, because it's so closely connected with his, there's so much love, you know, between the two of them. And there's not just, um, you know, there's not just, you know, a behavioral or physical reason for it. I mean, there's obviously a theological and a mystical reason for it, but there's just so much love between the two of them. Yeah, if you understand her heart, then you will really, you know, understand his. Uh, that's great. Uh, so so here's something neat, and it has to do with the rosary. And maybe I'm just uh, talking about the rosary too much, but listen to this. At the Battle of Lepanto, where when, when this uh, this uh, huge thing of all the of all the ships were coming to attack and and the Moors were coming in to evade and and Christianity was being attacked also from the north at the time and there was only so much we could do and and so there was no way we we're gonna we we're gonna fight these people off so Pope Pius says we got to pray the Rosary now. He could have said a whole bunch of other things, and he bet he, I bet he did. I bet he said, come to Mass. I bet he said, come to Reconciliation. I bet he said, I bet he said all kinds of, do the Stations of the Cross, the uh, Via la Dolorosa. I bet he said all that stuff. But you know what he said? Pray the Rosary. So all these people on these ships, and think about it, ships laden with people who were going to fight when the two ships got back to close quarters like pirates and kill each other, on these ships where they're going to shoot and broadside each other and die at sea, on these ships where they thought there was no doubt we were going to die, he says, pray the Rosary. So churches all across the uh, Christendom okay, uh, started praying the Rosary. And he received a vision two weeks before he actually found out they had won the battle. See, there was no internet then. So, <laughs> so, so two weeks before that, he received a vision that they had won the battle oh. because they had prayed the rosary. So how does that make a difference to us? You know, is there not a battle in each one of our hearts? Is there not a battle going on all the time? Is there not a battle between Satan tempting us? And, and, and if there was, a, I, I mentioned it before, the rope that pulled me into the Catholic Church, the rope that saved me, my life rope, was a rosary. But having said that, I also needed Mary to win a battle for me. When I was a child, my twin brother drowned in the Wapsie Pinnacum River in Independence, Iowa, and I uh, yeah, so, almost almost dro- drowned in my presence. And and I'd run for help, and when we came back, he was not there. And and I always thought that I had left my twin brother, that I had abandoned him. And of course, that was untrue. Uh, it was just something the evil one wanted to make sure that that wound stayed open. And of course, that's age four and a half, five. And and okay. so now I'm in my fifties. Uh, and I'm I thought go- you said that. <laughs> I thought you said a number higher than that before. What? 
I thought you said a number higher than that before. I thought. Oh, let's say, no, I was in my 50s. Oh, oh, oh you were in your yeah, 50s. Yeah. I'm sorry. Now, I'm now, sorry. Now go forward. I was in my 50s. Okay. Uh, and, and thank you so much for doing the math. But having said that, <laughs> having said that I was in my 50s, and, and I'm praying the rosary on the way to a Christ News' parents practice session, where I was going to talk about how important Jesus in the Eucharist was to me. But I wanted to say something about my brother, and I knew that there was no way I could possibly do that. And I'm praying the rosary. I'm praying the rosary. And I'm saying, Blessed Mother, you're going to help me with this. this is, and this is a real battle going on in my life. And I thought, there's no way I'm going to be able to talk about the death of my brother. There's no way I'm going to be able to talk about Jesus coming in my life if I, it, 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 without breaking down. And I didn't really want to cry, and I'm not a crier. And while I was praying the rosary, the Blessed Mother's presence came into my car, actually in the front uh, passenger seat, and she brought my brother to me. Johnny. Really? And he, he was allowed to say four words to me that I'll never forget. Do you know what those words were? You've got to tell me. It's okay. It's okay. Wow. So the Blessed Mother brought the healing of Jesus Christ, she a knows, battle that I could exactly not overcome. exactly what you needed. That's exactly what I could come. If, if, if I'd have thought it in any other way, if I'd have just thought it myself, I would not have changed my heart and healed me as much as it is. So obviously all, Jesus, all healing that I've ever experienced comes through our Lord Jesus Christ. And his name is a powerful healing influence in the world. But the Blessed Mother said, I got this one today because I've got... Johnny here with me, so I'll take him to, to, to Tom so he can talk about you, Jesus, in the Eucharist. So is she, in fact, a person who wins battles for us? Absolutely. Over and over again. That's the most dramatic, I have to admit, in my life, but over and over That's again. That's pretty dramatic. Yeah. She has, she has, in fact, won battles for me. And how could I not continue to seek her son when I knew that such a great advocate was with me? and with him as the Blessed Mother. Now, isn't that pretty neat stuff? That is a beautiful story. Yeah. And uh, It's okay. It, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. And, uh, I mean, she... But that's that's who she is, right? She... One of these, these titles that she's, she's giving to us is... Uh, let's see, what is it? Mother of Mercy or something of that nature. Um, Mary Most Merciful, for example. Um, but... She does have this this motherly love, and somebody who is struggling, somebody has some angst in their heart. She feels that just like she felt it for her son. You know, she she feels it for us, and then you know she, yeah, if we're lucky enough, she intercedes. I mean, that's a beautiful story that you had, Deacon. It, um, yeah, it calls to mind uh, one of mine. Well, I love to hear it. Uh, so. Uh, there was a, a boy that my daughter had been dating, and she was very uh, enraptured with this particular boy. And uh, he ended up uh, in the hospital. And we arrived at a, at a hospital at a, at a Friday on a Friday evening. And we were greeted with these predictions. Apparently, the doctors had said that there was a 90% chance he would not live through the night. And they had also said that if he did live through the night, there was going to be a 90% chance that he would have permanent brain damage. Oh, for heaven's sakes. I had just by coincidence, a lot of coincidences and things, you know, but I had just by coincidence started Euchar a regular Eucharistic Adoration Hour. I think it was the second week I was doing it. 
And it was an early morning hour, so I was alone in, in this church. And as I said, my, my daughter was very taken with this boy. So I prayed very hard to Christ there in the Blessed Sacrament. And I prayed for about half an hour. And I kind of got the sense I was failing. <laughs> you know, that somehow, and it was my own fault, but maybe I thought maybe my prayer wasn't being heard. And after about half, I was like, what else can I do? What else can I say? How much more, you know, what can I add to my prayers to make the prayer better? And I couldn't think of anything else to say. I'd run out of, you know, as many superlatives and whatnot that I could come up with in the span of 30 minutes. And so sort of like in, in a little moment of desperation, I just very quickly and simply said to Mary, you know, please take, please take this prayer to your son for me. And look, I mean, this is, this is something that occurred to me. This is a personal experience. I can't prove this, but I heard a voice. And the voice said, not four. I, you, got a much, you got much more from a quantity standpoint. I got, I got one word. Uh, but the one word was God. And God. One word was God. And, it's, and I understood what that meant. What I can't it? go into more details, but let me just tell you this. I understood that it meant my prayer was being taken to God. The end of the story, that after a few more days in the hospital, the boy not only came out of the coma, but he was perfectly well. Now, a lot of other people were, making, were saying prayers for this boy as well. So to what extent my prayer contributed to that, I don't know. But I do know that in this, this moment that I had, where I felt very intensely the need for a prayer to be taken to her son, she was there. And then it was it's a funny thing. It was later that I realized she had this title. We were talking about titles. Well, one of her titles is Mediatrix of All Graces, the mediator of all graces. She is the one who intercedes and obtains graces for us. I didn't even know that at the time. I didn't even know really how to pray to Mary or what her role should be or how, you know, how I should fashion this prayer to her. I just, you know, desperately asked for her help and she was there. Now, I'm going to just uh, uh, interrupt for just another second because I know you've got something that you want to say, but I need to tell you folks that this is St. Joseph Radio Presents coming to you live from St. Louis, Missouri, which we proudly proclaim as the Rome of the West. All right, Deacon, it's uh, your turn. Well, I, I just wanted to, I just wanted to uh, have a caboose on what you said there because the uh, 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 it, it it really can ruffle some feathers for people to say, well, wait a second. Doesn't St. Paul say that Jesus is the mediator, is our mediator between God and man? And is it true? We're not discounting anything that St. Paul says. But out of, out of great love and mercy, Jesus has decided, I'm going to dispense my graces through my mother because I felt first the grace of motherhood through my mother. I felt first uh, the care, the special care of, of, of a touch through my mother. I, I, just, I learned first what a whisper in the ear when I was crying meant through my mother. So I know that although she's not, she's not in charge of the grace, grace is from God, the love of God, so much the powerful love of God that we don't earn, but I'll let her dispense that as I see fit to carry that. 
I mean, think about this. Turn it around. When Jesus, uh, and this just occurred to me, so it's not maybe theologically correct, but it may be emotionally correct. When Jesus changed the, uh, the two fish and the five loaves and, 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 and uh, uh, he, he dispensed them, who did he give them to? He could have just said poof and put it in front of 5,000 men, right? He gave them to his disciples to take out into the world, okay? And maybe that was some of the first priests, but it's also us too. We're priest, prophet, and king by our baptism. And I won't go there because I'm going to get on tangent. But isn't it totally consistent with how he works in the world to turn to his mother and say, here's the great graces I want to dispense, and I'm going to do this with you because you did such a great job with me. And, 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 and don't, we, don't we want to say, yeah, I'll accept that. I'll accept that he honors his mother that way because to say otherwise would say, well, do we honor our mothers? And what honor do we do? And the honor we even give our mothers are beyond really what they ever did for us. It was because they were next to us. It was because they, 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 uh, we suckled at their breasts. They, they took care of us when we were sick. And you know, when, when you were talking just a few minutes ago about uh, uh, how the, uh, the Blessed Mother uh, uh, sh- showed you in, in the Adoration Chapel uh, how she would be more than happy to take your prayer, to purify your prayer, to take your prayer to Jesus, to give you what you wanted to hear at that moment because you, you had a had a mystical experience. And, and, and I'd like to preface, and we probably should have prefaced everything we said here today, but I'd certainly like to make it clear. When I talk about how Mary has helped Jesus touch me, when I talk about some inspiration that I've received by the Holy Spirit and the action of the Blessed Mother, when I talk about that, where Jesus is and Mary is, I, I'm not telling you that, that it's going to be written in the Catechism of the Catholic Church. And I'm not saying that it, that it, that it should be written in uh, the, the Gospel of, of Goofy Tom, you know, the Goofy Deacon. It shouldn't. But what I am saying is, for those of you out there who who are up against a war like Lepanto in their lives, the war against pornography, the war against uh, strife in your, in your children's families, the, war, the warring sides of, of children who have stepped away. Those of you who are out there and you're, you're battling in your own mind the temptations that, that come that says to each one of us, the devil says to each one of us, you are not worthy. You've sinned too much. You've gone away too far. You've missed too many masses. Don't dare go into reconciliation because he will laugh you out. He will condemn you. That's what the evil one says to us. So we grab the rosary and we say, Mary, I can't pray this the way I should pray it, but you can pray it with me. I can't have my fingers on these beads as firmly as you can have your fingers on mine on the beads. And I, I, I have... One other little story, and it has to do with her guiding principle. We're talking about her guidance in the world. I, uh, uh, I was struggling uh, 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 to decide whether I should be a deacon or not. And you've already heard <laughs> how far I had stepped away from the church. So, so you can understand what the evil one's telling me about whether I should be a deacon or not. And, uh, uh, and even though I'd come back to the church and I, I was, I was uh, going to reconciliation and I thought it was a good idea to even have a spiritual director, and believe me, he, uh, God bless him, he didn't laugh me out of his office, <laughs> but rather just the opposite because he had a devotion to Mary too, I discovered. And so I'm, I'm at our Sorrowful Mother's Ministry, which you all can look that up on the internet there in Vandalia, Missouri. 
and they have a kind of a healing ministry, and they put things on throughout the uh, out the year. Well, this is many years ago before I uh, I entered uh, diaconate formation, so it's about 12, 13 years ago. And I I'm there, and these people were were praying over me. Uh, actually, I didn't really want anybody to pray over me because <laughs> I thought that was scary and goofy and off-putting and uh, it's too charismatic for me. Uh, but my wife said, "Are you chicken?" <laughs> I, I think there's a lot of Mary in, in my life. <laughs> so, so, you know, the, the, you know, the woman in your life to set you straight. Yeah. So she says, are you chicken? Well, that was that did it. She knew what it would do. <laughs> so, so that she didn't have to say anything else. So these people are praying over me. And uh, the Blessed Mother, which I didn't know, in a vision, I'm in the stable. And the Blessed Mother is uh, got her back to me kneeling down, and there's a man there who I believe was Joseph, and she stands up, and she turns to me, and she hands me a little child, and she says, Joseph and I trust you with Jesus. Now, I don't deserve to know that. <laughs> you know, I, so are you are you feeling chicken now? I mean, my goodness. Yeah, well, <laughs> no, obviously not. Uh, holding, but that is a lot of responsibility. Uh, I mean, holding Jesus uh, uh, was 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 actually not as powerful uh, as 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 the trust that she imparted to me with those words. And the confirmation that I got out of that, that maybe, maybe I was called to be Christ the servant as a deacon. And uh, now, like I said, uh, is, that, is that something that, that we're going to add another chapter to Luke's gospel? Uh, uh, no, no, we're not going to. And, and, and uh, that's, uh, But again, it was like in your time of need, in my time you, of have need, a, you have a doubt. At the time when and I then, needed Our Lady of Good Counsel. You know, at the time I needed that that uh, that uh, help, uh, even though I didn't directly ask the Blessed Mary Mother for it, doesn't our Mother know intuitively what we need? Doesn't she see into our hearts like Jesus? Doesn't he? Doesn't she probe our hearts? Well, sure she does. And so, I just wanted to share that with those people out there that think that I need help with a decision. I need help with a decision. Yeah, yeah, that's that's an, that's another beautiful, beautiful story, Deacon. Well, we've come to the end of our time, um, and I got to say, it's been a it's been a very interesting, satisfying, enjoyable time. Um, although I was a little, I guess maybe chicken uh, of you, a little scared of you, but uh, uh, but anyways, it's been it's been very enjoyable. We've been talking about Mary, the Queen of Hearts. Has uh, has she? She become the queen of your heart, because if she if she has or if you let her, she'll take you straight to her son. And that's how it always is with her. It's a blessed thing, and she is. That's one of the reasons why we call her our blessed our blessed mother. She is the gateway to heaven. She can lead you to Christ, who will take us all to heaven. Thank you for listening. Praise be to God. Praise be to God.
You've been listening to St. Joseph Radio Presents from the Rome of the West, St. Louis, Missouri. If you would like to join us in our evangelization efforts, you can order a copy of today's broadcast or any of our past programs by visiting us on our website, stjosephradio.net. That's S-A-I-N-T, josephradio.net. Or call us, 636-447-6000. It's all at your fingertips to help us evangelize the world, bringing the good news of Christ to everyone you meet and change one soul at a time. Thank you for your prayers and support. Until next time, may God bless you and your family. This has been a presentation of St. Joseph Radio Presents. Thank you.